is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Learn everything you need to know to make a living outside the 9 to 5 grind and crush it at life. You'll learn from inspirational guests and in-depth discussions. Go from employee to entrepreneur and start creating a life you love and still pay the bills. So here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Let's get on with the show! This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status in recognition for their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Here we are, powerful nonsense addicts. 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 Because it's so addictive. Don't know about that. Well, shh. (laughs) We're here to deliver your weekly fix. That's right. Your fix. I'm not even going to go into graphic. I was going to go graphic then, but I'm not going to. It's powerful nonsense time for newcomers. I am Wayne Ingram. And I am Jem Yordis. And we are here with an interview today with Cassian Franklin. Yep. We're also experimenting with our new superpower. Because by the time you're listening to this, where we are in London as we're recording this, we will also be in Ireland. When it goes live. Probably hungover. Well, it's going to be post... Um, we are Gu- a walking paradox. It's going to be post um, Guinness factory. <laughs> so I don't know how... We're probably in a mess right now. I'm probably going, oh, God, my head hurts. I can't believe we have to catch a flight later. So please send your prayers. Because <laughs> we may very well need them. <laughs> or paracetamol. Prayers or paracetamol. You paracetamol decide. and isotonic drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, but yes, we have an interview with actor Cassian Franklin... From Danny and the Human Zoo by Lenny Henry, which was on the BBC, which you can capture if you want to go to some dodgy sites to watch, but I'm sure it's going to be available and probably on DVD or yeah, something. Yeah, I reckon so. Um, maybe even on iTunes. Yeah. Very good drama about. Um, it's kind of very up. social realism as well. Really. Yeah. I really enjoyed quite it. Quite shocking. It kind of, given you know how liberal of a society we are these days, like, it's quite shocking to see how only like 20, 30 years I know, ago, it's really just scary. how intense. And unliberal <laughs> of the society we were. Um, and it's also set not far from my hometown. So, mm-hmm. rep in. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a really, really good interview. Very kind of different to the sorts of interviews that we normally get. It's yeah. very... That's not to say that... <laughs> that's gonna, it practically insult every other guest then. But it's just a very honest interview, which is not to say that all of our other interviews haven't been honest. But it's just... There's no... He's got, he's got that northern tone, which is not... It, it sounds Northern, kind of, Midlands. Midlands, sorry. <laughs> northern. Just because you're from London, which well, is like anyth- South England. Anything up is, <laughs> is northern to me. But no, I like, I'd like you say, is that brutal honesty. It's kind of tell it as it is. And mm-hmm. that's what I really liked about Cassian. Mm-hmm. So, yes. um, really I, good interview. So we will not dilly-dally any further. Dilly-dally. Yeah, An underused not... phrase. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag dilly-dally. <laughs> <laughs> we will not hashtag dilly-dally any further, and we shall get right into the interview. So here he is, Cassian Franklin. Cassian, welcome to the Powerful Nonsense podcast. Thank you, thank you. So um, I'm going to jump straight in. Uh, you were starring alongside Lenny Henry. Yeah. In Danny and the Human Zoo. <laughs> which I watched last night. And I watched. Yes, actually, I watched. Not last night, the night before. Bloody Did you good. Enjoy it? I loved it. It was really good. Bloody good. And I don't really? know if you know, but I'm a Brummy boy. 
Okay. Uh, so I was very much enjoying it. And I didn't even realise that Arthur Darville was a Brummie as well, actually. <laughs> it was only when he went, it's a joke, I eat. I went, oh, he must be. <laughs> he must know. <laughs> but no, really, really good. Um, and you studied at Northampton Uni. I did, yeah. On the drama course. Yep. You see, now I'm very upset with you, actually, Cassian, because I don't know if you know this, but I actually trained on the acting course at Northampton Uni. Uh, did you? Yeah. And you beat me to the punch. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you just talk us through kind of like what happened kind of after you graduated up until, you know, the last last year, really? Okay, so um, I graduated in 2010. And then I trained for a year at uh, Identity School of Acting. Okay. And then I just tried to work after that. I think I worked for about two years without an agent. Wow. In a wide range of things from like corporate events to Mm -hmm. theatre and education, children children theatre tours and just all sorts of bits and bobs really. And, uh, yeah, and then Danny and Yurinzu came along. So how did that, that come about? Was it just because you're from the Midlands yourself, or...? Well, um, it was an associate director I worked with at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Nice. At first, uh, sort of said, hey, this is going on, it's set in the Midlands, I, we, I think you'd be great for it, uh, put yourself forward. So then I did... And it was actually quite a long process. I was auditioning, auditioning for about 10 months. And over that sort of time, they called me in five times to read for the role. And, yeah. Wow. Most history. <laughs> so you've had... I mean, I was looking on all of the uh, industry networks, mm-hmm. um, having a look at your CV yesterday. Okay. And you've done some... <laughs> stalking you, if you do. Um, and you've done some pretty interesting stuff. You were in Captain America, weren't you? As an extra. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> okay. He's playing that up on the CV a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Um, so, and, and then you've worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company as well? Yeah. Wow. Um, and was this yeah. all whilst you had no agent as well? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. I got an agent shortly after that, I think. Okay. So, I mean, you've managed to knock down a few doors that some people struggle to get through with an agent. Yeah, well... But is there a secret? Not not necessarily for me, but just generally for everyone, because we talk ma- mainly to entrepreneurs and things. So in terms of, like, knocking down doors... Mm-hmm. Getting past those gatekeepers. Yeah. What was your, what was your tactic, your secret? I don't think there's any real secret to it. <laughs> oh, you can't tell it's us that. Just, <laughs> it's just sort of um, if you're on casting call pro mm-hmm. and and things like that and keeping your eye, eye out mm-hmm. on various different sort of platforms, um, the Arts Council website, that's actually quite a good website to go on because you get quite a few casting calls on there. Right. Uh, um I think one of the most valuable things I learned working without an agent is I sort of had to get up every morning and devote some time to looking for my next job sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And doing that, it becomes second nature and then suddenly you're doing it and it's not not so much a big chore sort of thing. 
So that was something I felt quite strange when I did sign with an agent. And while I was still doing it myself at the same time, um, some of the control had sort of been taken away from me, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Not saying I'm a control freak or anything, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just being in contact with the casting director myself yeah. and sort of knowing more detail in that retrospect. Yeah. No. And do you think there's something to be said for um, that kind of consistently turning up every day and and kind of not necessarily you know moving the whole world in one day but just constantly kind of showing up every day just doing a little bit here and there and just keeping your finger on the pulse kind of thing well yeah definitely i used to start off doing like sort of 15 minutes a day sort of thing and when i first started that was a chore and it was a real ball ache (laughs) (laughs) and then you sort of reevaluate and you're like right i'm still not booking any jobs right maybe 15 minutes isn't long enough i'm gonna have to devote more time to doing this Mm -hmm. and then you start doing that and i think the thing with with stuff like this is you've got to have your overall goal but then break it down into smaller goals. Mm-hmm. So once you start achieving your 15 minutes a day, uh, that in turn feels like progression and it's something that you can mark off and measure that, yeah, I'm actually moving towards my goal because in this industry it can feel very stagnant and that you're not actually progressing anywhere. Yeah. So I think things like that help you to keep motivated, which is incredibly difficult to do in this industry. Uh, you have so much downs and, well, more downs than ups. I wanted to quickly just take a little step back to when you went to university and obviously when you picked to do drama, like, was that something, was, because I know I went to uni, we both, me and Wayne both actually met each other at Northampton Uni, I was doing media production, he was doing acting, I was definitely in the category of, all right, I'm, I want to go to uni, but I'm just going to pick any degree that looks fun. Like, what was your mindset when you were going into it? Well, I actually went to uni to be a drama teacher mm-hmm. um, sort of didn't really fancy the whole acting thing um, I, I was kind of looking for something with job security and knowing that my bills are going to get paid at the end of the month uh-huh. that sort of thing the acting thing didn't really float my boat when mm-hmm. I was deciding to go to uni so I just thought I'll go and do drama and I did my first year, and then it dawned on me, I actually don't like kids that much to sort of... (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a bit of a hurdle. Oh, yeah, to devote, like, 40 years of my life doing that. So (laughs) then I had to, like, uh, re-evaluate and think of something that I could do. So then my next step was sort of um, theatre and education. So still a little bit of teaching and a little bit of acting... I thought, yeah, that'd be great for me. I can do that. And I think it was in my second year, we had an actor and text module. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to do duologues uh, with uh, me and my friend, uh, Dave. And we was given Samuel Beckett game to do. And we mm-hmm. kind of left it right to the last minute. We'd gone out all weekend and just... I had a crazy weekend as you do as a student. <laughs> You're down at Penny Whistles for a pound a pint, weren't you? <laughs> well, probably, most likely. <laughs> and then it kind of just dawned on us like, oh crap, we've got this duologue to pull off. 
And uh, luckily, a friend of ours, uh, Danny, who's a great director, he worked with us on um, this duologue that we had to do. And we managed to actually pull it off and uh, get one of the highest grades that uh, um, acting coach Ian Spivey, Ian Spivey had ever awarded. And there was that sort of moment I thought, oh, actually, maybe, maybe I'm not too bad. Maybe I should give this acting thing a real thought. And so following, following on from that, um, in our third year, the university commissioned us to put, it, put on the whole play externally, which we did at the Playhouse in Northampton. Mm-hmm. And so the, that was kind of when I decided, actually, I want to look at perhaps having a little go at being an actor, seeing how that works out for me. So did you kind of use that with, um, you know, obviously Danny's character in Danny in the Human Zoo, where he gets that little glimmer of uh, sort of hope when he's at the uh, talent show? Yeah, all, all of that is experiences that he used. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, and you mentioned um, about job security and, um, you know, wanted to make sure that your bills were paid. Mm-hmm. Um but then obviously decided that actually you were going to give acting a go. Mm-hmm. What was... I mean, actually, before I go there, are you still based well, no, in Midlands? No, or? I just don't pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, you, are you still based in the Midlands or have you made the move down to London? I am still based between uh, the Midlands and London. Oh, right, OK. Because yeah. obviously everybody's like, London's the place to be. But, um, yeah, what I wanted to ask was sort of how did you manage the whole bills and juggling an acting career when you first graduated um (laughs) (laughs) begged borrowed steel yes (laughs) yeah begged borrowed steel uh part-time jobs um yeah just there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make uh lads holidays no um (laughs) some people's birthdays no so you have to sort of evaluate how close a friend they are. Maybe not go out if can't really afford it and not that close anyway. But it is it is a lot of sacrifice. <laughs> but if it's something that you want to do, then you just have to find a way to make it work. Yeah. And what's the... Because uh, I'm guessing you've probably jumped from a few day jobs um, being an actor. What's uh, the worst one you've had? The worst. Not nece- I... don't necessarily name the company, obviously, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do if you want. <laughs> I worked at um, Next um, for a while uh, in the stockroom, right. which is literally uh, putting the clothes on hangers, putting a little security tag on and the little cube for what size the garment was, and I lost part of my soul doing that. I remember when I was at Sixth Form, I was doing Christmas at Matterland. You try that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that that was just monotonous all day doing that. But um, the only good thing about that was the people and you got to have conversations and a bit of a laugh with everybody. But the work itself, it's not for everybody. 
What was going through your head, obviously, when you're in that stock room and you're thinking, all right, I'm doing this acting thing. And I, and I saw from another interview that you did that you were sort of saying, like, you saw your mates going off and probably going for those actual secure jobs whilst you're in a stock room trying to live out this sort of, like, acting dream that a lot of people have. Like, what was going through your head? Yeah, that was a weird time for me because I was so upset with myself uh, that I've decided that of all things I wanted to be was an actor. Right. It wasn't an easy decision for me to to accept. Um, obviously, I've graduated and all my friends are sort of getting graduate jobs and mortgages and cars and just all the sort of things that we today measure success by or progression by. And then I decided I want to be an actor. So I wasn't happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) And it took me a while to sort of just um, resign myself to the fact that, right, I'm going to give this acting thing a a go. I'm probably going to spend most of my adult life, like, living hand to mouth and being broke. But it's something that I want to do and I'm just going to do it for the love of it. So, yeah, that was a hard time to just upset the fact that, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then just commit to it yeah, and uh, follow my commitment with conviction. And have there ever been times where you've decided that you want to give up? Uh, yeah, every other month. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, like I said, uh, in this sort of industry, it's really hard to keep motivated because there's so much down days and days where it doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere or that you'll ever get anywhere. So keeping yourself motivated and having a healthy attitude towards what you're doing is is really important and it's really hard. And um, I don't really have any advice on anybody how to do that. <laughs> so you're telling me you haven't got your like go-to YouTube video that just spurs you up? Uh, no, but the pub works equally well, I find. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Uh... <laughs> what was your um, What was your friends like when they when you told them you're doing that? Are they were they supportive, or was your family behind you when you've kind of made that decision not to do teaching? Uh, well, my my mother was supportive in the sense of. She wasn't, like, cheerleading, like, go, yes, do it. Um, but in terms of uh, not saying, why don't you think of getting a real job now, like, give it up. Um, she never ever said that, so she was supported in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, my close friends are always supportive. And then you meet other people that are like, oh, what do you do? I'm an actor. And then you sort of get the eye rolls and that. oh, right. Or the, oh, have you been in anything that I've seen? Yeah, oh, we're going to see Yoni Sender soon. Yeah, that one. I'll be <laughs> so, so, yeah, that, that's cut, uh, kind of soul-destroying as well when people sort of eye-rolled and be like, yeah, right, cool. Mm-hmm. An actor. <laughs> no, what, what do you really do is a real job. <laughs> yeah. And do you, um, I mean, obviously, at the moment, you're probably still riding on a nice crest of a wave but in the times where um things were just starting off and you were getting the question of uh, are you in anything at the moment like how did how did that make you feel and how did you kind of deal with that 
Yeah, it, it's not great it, when you haven't got anything to tell anybody, uh, sort of thing. You just deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I met an actor the other day. They were like, because they were like, "Are you up to anything?" And I went, "Nah, I'm doing fuck all, mate." And they went, "Yeah, but you don't tell anybody that, do you?" <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, have you ever made up a project to? No, no. See, um... I haven't either. <laughs> I'm I'm too honest. I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm far too honest on my own good sometimes. But uh, I forget sometimes things that I'm doing and I'll actually say, oh, no, I'm not doing anything. Mm. And then I'll, I'll sort of walk away from the conversation and I'll be like, oh, I've got that coming out. I could have said that. Could have told him we're in Captain America. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, that was successfully edited out. Was, yeah, oh, you so you weren't even in the final cut? I might have spotted my arm, but I, I don't, I don't read. <laughs> You're that. not sure if it is your arm or <laughs> he, someone else's. He, he's gone through it with a, a fine toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't lead with that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's obviously been like the flip side of obviously um, Danny and the Human Zoo has obviously been quite popular, and everyone's a lot of people talking about it. Like, what? Have, then suddenly you've got this flurry of people giving you suddenly a bit of attention. Like, even us, we're now getting you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of take that as sort of like? Oh well, this is what is expected. Then it's going to go away, and I'll be back to myself. Or what? Yeah, what's going through your head when you get that sort of conversation going? Do you know what? It's actually been um, all right. It hasn't been too mental. I mean, um, so we got you at the right point, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it was quite nice because um, when we was launching the press for it, um, obviously because we had Lenny, and he took a lot of the press schedule. Mm-hmm. So I was quite sheltered to a certain degree, and so yeah, it was nice. And I haven't felt too out of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've always had Lenny as my crutch to sort of show me the way, or to take most of the heat. <laughs> <laughs> and are you still in, in contact with Lenny? I am. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I understand. Um, forgive me if I've got this completely wrong, but this is a dramatization of his early life isn't it yeah it's a how how fictitious book. is it and how close do you know to actually what really happened uh, i mean it's fairly close i mean um sort of the fictional bits are sort of things that he wished he'd have done at the time like right. the whole naked bit um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't think that was real <laughs> that was all made up but um there is quite a lot of truth in it um he was in a minstrel show um however he was stuck in his contract for like five years whereas danny uh, sort of manages to get out of it within sort of a year sort of thing mm-hmm. um the family bit of it is true um oh. about his father oh. not being his biological father that was all true so yeah there's quite a lot of truth in it and, and presumably you had to work pretty close with lenny then um I imagine. I imagine he probably would have talked you through a lot of... Because he, he, obviously he wrote it as well. Um, mm-hmm. so, sort of, yeah, so how close was the working relationship? Well, we had a few masterclasses um, with the impressions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I am no impressionist. <laughs> <laughs> we did pretty damn well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we, uh, I had a few masterclasses with Lenny. And he sort of... Um, let me video him doing some impressions on my phone so I could go away and work on it. So, yeah, it was nice. Was there any sort of bits of advice he gave you or something that stuck in your head? 
Um, well, the first time I met him, uh, he kind of just said, you've got the role now, you've got nothing to prove, just in, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So that was quite free in that, um, yeah, he believed in me and he just wanted me to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. So that was great to hear him say first off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed as as well, like how much of, because I'm presuming as a West Midlands lad, you've probably watched Peaky Blinders. I have, yeah. And most of the cast in Peaky Blinders are not Brummies. No. And you can tell. What percentage <laughs> but, of the cast of Danny and the Human Zoo would you say were Brummies? Wow, quite a, quite a high percent, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably well into the high 80s, 90s. Yeah, I, I would have thought yeah. so, yeah. The accents were far superior to Peaky Blinders, and I love Peaky Blinders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there were, yeah, there was loads of Midlands, like uh, all the boys uh, that played my friends, they're all um, Birmingham or Midlands, mm-hmm. um, Arthur Darville, Brummy Lad, um, yeah, yeah, a lot of people. So, so what's next in the pipeline then, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, I have um, a feature coming out early next year, um, The Snarling, uh, sort of a comedy horror um, pick, so that should be good fun and quite funny, so look out for that. I think you'll probably get a small release and do festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, um, and I haven't really signed on to anything uh, so far, mm-hmm. so... Uh, yeah, back and to. Am I right in thinking that on the snarling you're associate producer as well? Um, no, I play an associate. Oh, producer. you play an associate producer. Yeah. Oh, see, I saw the credit on IMDb and I was like, oh, he's producing now. <laughs> no, it's, it, <laughs> it's sort of um, it's set in a. It's actually set in the Midlands as well. Oh. Um, nice. Well. It's set in a, in a village we filmed in the Midlands. Right. Um, and it's sort of a film crew descending on sort of this small village um, shooting a horror. And they sort of get uh, loads of the villagers involved um, working as extras. And then some things start to happen. And then nobody knows whether it's part of the film or whether it's actually happening. So, yeah. It gets quite farcical, and um, hopefully there's <laughs> lots of laughs for everybody. Nice, good. Look forward to seeing that. We interrupt this broadcast of Powerful Nonsense to talk about our sponsors for the show. First of all, we've got to thank the University of Northampton, who've been sponsoring us for quite a while. Uh, thank you to them for our support. Um, if you are looking to go to university and you're thinking about setting up your own side gig as well, your own business, then... I'd say Northampton's probably the place to go. Uh, They specialise in social entrepreneurship as well, so it's all about business with a social impact as well and good conscience. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk. So also, we've teamed up with Fiverr. Now, if you don't know what Fiverr is, it's like a creative marketplace where you can kind of, like, pay people a small sum of money just to maybe write a blog post on your behalf, design a blog header, design an Instagram image or whatever infographics, all that sort of stuff. Even jingles for your podcast if you're deciding you want to compete with us. <laughs> Prices literally start at a fiver. That's why it's called fiver. 
and five dollars. So if you're in the UK, that's what, like three quid, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Sometimes they'll up it, but as a starting point, think five pounds. Head over to Fiverr.com. That's Fiverr with two R's on the end. F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And when you get to your checkout, checkout, that's the word I was after. You enter in the little coupon code PN podcast and we'll give you 20% off. How Decent. good are we? Decent. See, you tune in, we give you 20% off Fiverr. So with that out of the way, let's go back to the show. I wanted to ask you something about, it was, it's quite a major theme in uh, Danny and the Human Zoo, mm-hmm. um, which is this link to fame and success and, and sort of the pressures that someone feels as they're in that sort of scenario. Um, I think of the the scene particularly where um, all of your friends have come up to Blackpool mm. and uh, you're talking about you know all you you love it when I'm doing impressions for you and and I'm making you laugh and everything but but do you actually know who I really am? Do you really know what my problems are and what I go through? Um, mm. And I thought that was a really interesting scene, particularly that really given that. Society at the moment is very much driven on overnight successes and and yeah. celebrity culture and things. I was just wondering, kind of a kind of what you what emotions you were playing on in that scene, and also just generally what your thoughts are on on sort of overnight successes and all that sort of thing. Well, you're right. We we very much do live in sort of a X factor generation where people do think, oh, it's that easy and. I'll just do that and I'll be massive and everything will be great. And with the whole celebrity culture as well, you sort of, you'll see an actor blow up and you think, oh yeah, he's just arrived sort of thing. But if you actually research and look at his CV, he's probably been working for the last seven years, Mm -hmm. doing all sorts of jobs sort of thing. But we only really celebrate it when they do this one big thing sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll try and just, put across that I wasn't just kicking rocks up and down the street the other week and then I've had this big big job sort of thing I've actually grafted and sacrificed I saw that you did like a talk I think it was at Google Campus a couple of um, weeks back I was actually meant to go but I couldn't make it in the end um, mm-hmm. I was just wondering like what was you sort of sharing with the people that turned up because I, I understand there was a lot of creatives there yeah um a lot of what uh, we've sort of been talking about already um, that it takes commitment and conviction and that's the sort of the first two things I learned in my career that I've got to commit uh, as you'll probably remember me saying that um, <laughs> I didn't really I, I didn't really want to be an actor and I was enthralled at the idea about doing that but as soon as I committed to it and then I decided to follow that with conviction and things were a lot easier for me. They weren't hunky-dory, but it was easy for me mentally to to uh, sort of get stuck in and try to get working. Um, and also, what else did I talk about? I, I kind of tried to do it a bit freestyle which I shouldn't have done. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I spoke about all sorts and just generally my whole Danny experience, really. Mm -hmm. 
And do you think that obviously we speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and quite a lot of creatives as well. Do you think there's that problem of actually being able to commit to something? I think a lot of the time, I think people don't fully commit because maybe they are have they do have those sort of strings attached to okay I want that secure mm. job or what if people judge me on what I'm doing like how do you think we can help sort of young people to kind of really commit to something and just go all in and I think I think like you said before like you realize I do enjoy acting and it's something I want to pursue but I think yeah. people can never it's really hard to just commit yeah I, I mean a lot of people nowadays with sort of what I call a split focus um, they want to be an actor, a presenter, a musician, a dancer, a this or that. And it's a lot, a lot to try and focus on. And I, my advice is always sort of narrow it down, focus on one and sort of commit to one and focus all your energies on that. And what normally happens is once you start making headway with that one, you start meeting a lot more people, a lot more connections, and that opens up the door to doing a few more things. But, yeah, I think a lot of people nowadays, everyone's trying to multitask and spin too many plates. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, start off with the one plate, see how that goes. Try a second one. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think there's... Um, like, what's your view on, particularly as an actor... Um, serendipity and um, and luck. Are you? Do you kind of buy into that, or are you very much? I make my own luck. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the term luck. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I prefer fortunate because mm-hmm. um, I never really class myself as lucky. I was skint and I couldn't afford to. <laughs> To go out with my friend or pay my phone bill sort of thing I mm-hmm. didn't really look at myself as being lucky in that retrospect so I think it is about being fortunate and and your hard work paying off you spoke about obviously having that um big goal of being an actor like and kind of working backwards say if you were if someone was listening and did want to be a dancer or they want to be a creative in some way what would be sort mm. of the thought process behind breaking down and finding out what those first few steps are uh, I'd always advocate training in terms of acting. I, I just think it's invaluable uh, to train. I mean, not everybody has to go down the training route. Um, some people make it without. But I think training just um, sets you up far better, um, gives you so much more confidence with knowing that if you come across any problems or you hit any sort of wall, then you, you've been trained and you've got loads of techniques mm-hmm. and different things to try to achieve the same thing so that's why I'd always advertise uh, advocate uh, training and just just working at it going for it uh, going to see as many shows or reading as many plays as I can sort of thing and networking and just yeah being around other people that are in the same same lane as you, I guess, is always great. And do you have any particular routine that you have? Like a daily routine, morning routine, or anything that you think really kind of pushes the needle forward for you on a on a consistent basis? Oh no. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, there's loads of things that I should be doing that I perhaps don't 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not going to be a complete hypocrite about that. But, Don't lie, uh, you just went for a 10-mile jog, didn't you? <laughs> I've been threatening to go for a run for about three years now. I've not made it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, like I said, um, set yourself a goal. If you know that speech is something that you've got to work on, then doing vocal things even if it's just 10 minutes uh, a day sort of thing i used to i w- i'm terrible i'm still quite bad at sight re- sight reading which is basically in auditions sort of having to read things in the moment off the page and try and do all your actions and everything i've always been terrible at that sort of thing um so an act- acting coach told me to sort of practice that even if it's just reading the newspaper practice walking around reading it out loud sort of thing mm-hmm. and just little things like that um you should always be your own evaluator and you should always know what you have to work on to achieve wherever whatever dreams you want to achieve you should always know what you need to work on and once you do then you know what you've got to work on and it's ultimately up to you how much work you put in and what you get out of it. And how do you go about evaluating yourself? Like, what are the kind of criteria you have to check box with yourself? So after every audition, I have a routine where uh, I'll go to a pub. Just, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. It, does, it. it doesn't. It doesn't have to be a pub. It could be anywhere. It could be a coffee shop. Just preferably but, with alcoholic content. I don't like I don't like coffee, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I prefer a pint. I just sort of, while it's fresh in my head, uh, re reevaluate what worked well. Um, I berate myself on what I should have done better, and things that I didn't do and why I didn't do it. Um, and then gradually I become drunk, and then I forget about it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> that is the yeah. most honest process uh, I, I think it. we've I ever been given from yeah. anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another thing about the, the business. You've got to just let things go Absolutely. and move on. Uh, so, yeah, I evaluate, uh, berate myself mm-hmm. and move on. Do you, um, talking about like letting things go, mm-hmm. do you think... Um, not necessarily just actors but probably actors a lot of actors you know but do you think people have a bit of an issue with um, just accepting their failures and moving on? Uh, Yeah I think everybody does in general Um, I mean I struggled struggled with that for a while Mm -hmm. because I like to class myself as a perfectionist Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you sort of just have to realise that um, you have to accept some of the imperfections as part of your art. It's all mm-hmm. part of the process. And just let it go. Mm-hmm. And deal with it, I guess. <laughs> Stop taking yeah. yourself too seriously, I guess. Yeah, things aren't always perfect. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that's part of the reason why I hate watching myself back. Because mm-hmm. there's just so many things that like, oh, that oh, I should have done that better and... Yeah. whatever but I've just got to let it go and it's part of my art it's mm-hmm. part of it uh, so yeah what's the worst audition you've ever done because <laughs> we've all we've all had one <laughs> yeah um, it was it was for a company that wanted um, 
an actor that could do physical theatre. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I, 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 stu- I studied that. I remember doing a module on that. You <laughs> <laughs> moved that to the top of the CV. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they picked, picked us all up from the train station and took us to the studio, which is sort of right out in the middle of nowhere. And um, I got changed, uh, walked into the studio, and everybody's warming up. And just from scanning <laughs> around the room, I could tell instantly that these weren't actors, they were dancers. <laughs> there, was, there was legs behind heads, there was people doing splits, and it was like, oh my God. Please tell me you started practicing like them, start like (laughs) copying them. (laughs) Well, (laughs) no, I did my own stuff. (laughs) And they started looking at you thinking they've got it all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, they started putting us through our paces uh, and it was choreography. And I'm not a dancer. I move. But I'm not a dancer. (laughs) um, I'm not one of those five, six, seven, eight kind of goes and then I'm with it I'm more like 5, 6, 7, 8 9, 10 11 and then maybe I kind of get a few of the moves so it's like that and they taught us the choreography and then they split us down into smaller groups and then you show it back and so I, I position myself at the back of the group um, so maybe hide hide some of it <laughs> And it was awful. There was backward gambles and and it it was just awful. At one point, I ended up on everybody's bags and coats at the back. (laughs) And I'm just there floundering amongst coats and stuff. And it's it's awful. Were they recording it as well? (laughs) Yes, and it was being recorded. And then then I thought, right, I'll wait for the acting bit and I'll just pull it back then. Maybe it won't be too bad. Then they took us through this no- another routine, which is, um, I forget the name of it. It's a sort of a Brazilian martial arts sort of thing. Capoeira. Yes, that that's it. I'd forgotten it for a reason. That is it. <laughs> it's suppressing it. <laughs> and so there's these high kicks and spins and, yeah, I was just, it wasn't fun. And... The worst thing was when it got to the acting bit, all they wanted was like one line. <laughs> so actually, but you did that they... the best about the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> what they should have said is actually what we're looking for is dancers that don't mind saying a line here and there sort of thing. But it's just horrible because I couldn't leave because they'd taken us to the studio in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So the last thing I wanted to do was saying, I'm sorry, guys, this isn't for me. I'm just going to make my own way back. Then getting lost and then arriving at a train station the same time as everybody else. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then being embarrassed yet again. So, yeah, that was that is my worst one. So, obviously, you came out of that audition thinking, I've got this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And, and sort of everybody else where you sort of... Congratulate, uh, congratulate everybody else at the end like well done that was great no one said that to me that's like one of those total like F- FML kind of moments yeah yeah and I, I thought that as I was doing the routines 
<laughs> As I was stepping on people's coats and like whispering, sorry. <laughs> oh, that was an expensive. <laughs> were, you, were you dressed up in your spandex? I wasn't uh, joggers, but everyone else was in leotards and yeah. spandex. <laughs> yeah, That's hilarious. Get the memo. <laughs> so, the show itself is called Powerful Nonsense. Mm-hmm. And we ask every guest we have on two questions, which are, what is the most powerful piece of advice you've ever heard, or been given, rather, um, and what's the biggest load of nonsense you've ever heard? Okay. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> you, you can do your freestyle approach to these. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm going to go with a cliché. Just be yourself, I think. Um, and the reason why that's powerful in terms of my industry is you meet a lot of people that don't do that. <laughs> and they're, uh, they're interesting people. But, uh, yeah, be yourself and be comfortable with that. Uh, my bad one is also going to be just be yourself in terms of Nigel Farage, whoever gave him that advice. <laughs> whoever gave him that advice, whoever gave him the worst possible advice. So. I, love, I love it, we're getting political now and powerful nonsense. <laughs> I completely was not expecting that, that was brilliant. <laughs> Obviously, you're pursuing something that is your passion, it's a, it's a creative endeavour, it's not everybody's doing it. Like, What does that actually mean to you to be able to say that to people? Because I know even with us, we're doing things we actually enjoy. What does it mean to actually... I know people might overrate say, oh, well, maybe you're not getting as much money in that full-time job, but how important do you think it is for people just to actually be doing something they really enjoy? Um, for me, it's awesome because it never, ever feels like work. And I'm constantly doing something different. And, yeah, I'm just... I guess I'm far happier. Mm-hmm. So my voice went really weird then. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it was dramatic effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just far happier doing uh, what I love, I guess. Yeah. And do you think um, people don't embrace that enough? Uh, no, I, I don't think people do. It's through fear or through just being sensible. One <laughs> in a job with a pension at the end of it. That's fair enough. Sometimes life just gets in the way and people have commitments, family and stuff, so it's not always viable to to follow your dreams, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, follow them. Go for it. So there we are. Wonderful interview from fellow Midlander. I won't call him a Brummie boy. Fellow alumni, Northampton Fellow alumni Northampton too. Fellow Northampton alumni as well, right? Yeah, <laughs> Cassie and Franklin. He liked a beverage in the old town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, guys. Lovely, lovely interview. Gonna have to try and get Cassie on again, I think, at some point. Sure. But we have a favour to ask. We haven't asked this favour for a while, so I'm gonna ask it now. Can you please leave some iTunes reviews? We would love you forever. It really just helps to boost the show and get people that don't know about the show knowing about the show. 
Yeah, and then we can brag about us being in the top ten on iTunes. Yeah, and we haven't <laughs> bragged about the fact that we're still a five-star podcast for a while, so we're still a five-star podcast, just letting you know. <laughs> so don't ruin that. <laughs> and we're about to go and watch Steve Jobs at the cinema, so we'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, guys. Catch you later.